Hello, Internet, and welcome to uh, the Midlife Pilot Podcast. This is the podcast all about uh, flying and learning to fly and all things aviation uh, in midlife. And uh, we're here for episode 34. Special guest tonight, I'll be joining us momentarily, is Gareth of Zero Three Delta, YouTube channel, filmmaker extraordinaire pilots and all those good things and we're super excited to be uh, back with everyone uh, for episode 34 my name is chris moran also known as the midlife pilot and i'm joined as always by my uh southern south central southeastern music row uh legend brian siskin good evening <laughs> sir Hey man, how's it going? I'm super excited about this one. Uh, I think this is going to be great. I think this is sort of a peas in the pod uh, sort of episode. But uh, yeah, how are you doing? And and um, how's life? I'm doing great. I've been flying a lot and doing all the things. Yeah, I'm also doing well. Uh, uh, the opposite of not been flying a lot. I've been doing all the other life things a lot. Uh, but hope to. Uh, weather's getting nice up here in West Virginia again, and. Tis the season. Hey, I'll tell you this. In our club, our the legendary 172 that I trained in, 3852 Lima, came back with its in, from its engine overhaul, and then in the month of April, flew 91 hours on the Hobbs meter uh, wow. in one month, which was a record for the club. So other people are flying. Uh, it's just not so much me. But hopefully Friday. Fingers crossed for Friday and Sunday for a for a work trip. So that's awesome. Good. That's awesome. I flew 33 hours in the last 30 days, um, which is a little bonkers. But I was just squeezing as much time as I could in before uh, the new to me airplane goes down for annual and autopilot install. So it may be uh, a long, long time. So uh, and in the meantime, by the way, I, I, I'm starting my tailwheel on Friday. Did I tell you that? That's ex- I, I've seen it in Discord. Okay. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I'm going to actually learn how to fly. <laughs> That's what they say. Yeah. But anyway, let's get on with it. Let's do it. Let's do it to it. Wait, we've got, we've got selfie. Oh, we almost caught it. We almost caught. Wait, let's, we, we should bring him live while that's happening. Ready? Let's see. Wait, do it again, Gareth. You, may, you got self like uh, pre-show selfies going on. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So I've got uh, talking to uh, uh, my dad at the moment in the UK. He just decided to stay awake. <laughs> oh, very cool. Great. Well, thank you uh, for joining us tonight. I, uh, I've, I told you before, I've been following a lot of your uh, adventures since your private training um, mm-hmm. with uh, Lewis of Ludix Aviation uh, on his YouTube channel and then carried right on over to yours, Zero uh, Three Delta. So we're excited to talk to you kind of about your aviation story. And I think there's sure. going to be a lot of parallels to a lot of the folks. Um, you'll see the chat scrolling by here too. We'll talk, these are a lot of our regulars that join us for the live recordings. Many, many, many of them are in the exact same kind of life stage. It's a very uh, midlife group in here. So we're, we're super excited that you're here. Well, someone just said, welcome, Gareth, dad. I'm sure he'll be excited now. (laughs) And Gareth, let me just go ahead and just say, um, in the same way that Chris and his content uh, or video making or whatever you want to call it was very important to me in my training, uh, Mm -hmm. I didn't have a community or a group necessarily, right? I was really just kind of connecting vicariously to others and trying to absorb information and experiences and trying to find people that were like me uh, or similar to me. Uh, in phase of life or whatever, and seeing how they were going about things, and um, your work particularly struck me as a you know person who also does you know filmmaking, video making, and things. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and you know, to, your, your, all of your videos have been so, uh, immensely helpful and, and inspiring. And, and I really appreciate, uh, everything except for, you know, the last, whatever, ever it's been 11 months where I guess you just decided like that we've had too much of a good thing mm-hmm. yes. to get into this. But, um, but first I just wanted to say, um, you know, thank you for, for making so many things that, that, I mean, you know, it's hard to realize or, you know, have a tangible experience of how you actually help people. I'm a person that you helped. So thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. So tell us, uh, all right. So set it up for us a little bit. So what, what is your, um, what is your aviation story? Like when did you get interested? It's, It's probably some family stuff and when did you start to learn to fly i mean what's what's your story how did you get into this how did this happen to you how How does yeah yeah my my father is firmly to to blame for everything okay um so he's been a pilot since the mid to late 80s um so i was sort of brought up around general aviation and um i used to go flying with him and used to take the controls and things and what have you and you'll, if you go to my Instagram, you'll see there's some old photographs on there of, of when I was younger. And um, I, he, he decided it would be a great idea for me at about the age of 14 or 15 to start taking flying lessons. Um, so I did actually start taking flying lessons in the UK back in the sort of late, mid to late 90s um, in a Cessna 152 um, with his old instructor, who's still a friend of ours today. And um, did it for a little while, but of course, then you get to the nitty gritty of the uh, theory behind it and the regulations and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And at that age, it wasn't really that interesting to me. I just enjoyed the flying portion of it. So we continued to fly for a while. And then, you know, as I started getting older, I had a kid. Um, so that sort of, you know, redirected my finances somewhat and priorities. Um, and a long time went by where I didn't do any flying at all. Um, and flat, uh, you know, fast forward to about 2017, my father, who had stopped flying as well, decided to um, renew his license in Sebastian in Florida because they had the EASA uh, UK training hub there. And, of course, he's got his FAA license piggybacked off, off that. And he said, you should come down. And they let me take part in a discovery flight where I was actually sitting front left. And the bug just came back in droves. And I thought, nope, i got to do this now. And um, so this was 2017. And then I started researching flight schools, and I I stumbled across Lewis Dixon, um, (laughs) who seemed like a fairly calm and relaxed type of person, um, not too far from where I was living. So I I contacted the school that he was at, and we, um, we started doing lessons. And, and that's where the training started. And then, of course, I had that uh, bit of a two-year gap because of the medical. And uh, once that was resolved, we resumed training. And a few months later, I had my license. But it's always been in my blood. It's always been in my blood. Well, you're, you're quite natural. Um, I remember being almost discouraged when I would see you at presumably the same phase that I should be, you know what I mean? And I'm like, this guy seems to have so much kind of, uh, you know, his comms are so good and he's, you know, he seems really together and I'm just kind of hanging on by a thread. Uh, <laughs> so that part of it was, you know, maybe I don't thank you for that, making me feel bad. No, um, no, you, you just, it's clear that you've got this kind of multi-layered experience that's led you to, to, to where you are. And, I'm also curious, um, uh, you know, about the 
psychologically or emotionally, what was it like to go through a, a medical issue and persevere through that? And was it something that the way it timed out, it wasn't necessarily a huge deal or was it something that weighed on you a lot or how did you? How did it you absolutely it did weigh on me a lot because it was stopping me from progressing to the point where I wanted to be. And it was a long process. So um, a bit of backstory on that. I'm a type one diabetic. Um, so that's not the common diabetes is type two it's type one so it runs in the family it was unavoidable um so obviously the faa had uh, wanted to make sure that that was under control which it was um and basically the process with dealing from that to start to finish uh, was approximately two years to get that initial special issuance um, and it was a lot of back and forth and i had contacts at the faa and i even i even went to go and bug them at sun and fun you know, I went to go and see see one of the representatives there. And <laughs> you're, you're like you're like doing hit jobs at Sun and Fun. Oh, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think the FAA used to people sneaking up on them. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it was very very discouraging. After the, you know, you'd send something in, and then you'd get a response, and then ninety days later, you might get something, and then they ask for something else. Um, and then before you know it, several 90 day periods later, it's two years cropped up, you mm-hmm. know, and they wanted me to go and see a, um, so I have a hymns, a hymns AME. I had to go and see a hymn psychiatrist and a hymn psychologist. So I think start to finish with all the testing, all the, all the prodding and poking that they did and the back and the forth. I think we were probably at about two and a half thousand dollars to get that sorted out. Um, mm-hmm. And understandably, there were times where I thought, is this really worth it? Um, sure. But it was in the end, you know, and uh, I'm, I'm glad that I did go through through all that to, to get it done. And obviously now I, I can continue to fly on a class three. I can go down to basic med if I want, or I can even go up to class two if I want to do my comm. So, I've, you know, it, it was worth it in the end, just put it that way. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's I, I, I've heard a lot of stories about people. The big one or the big one that I hear from a lot of the midlifers here, I've got a ton of people I know with sleep apnea, which has become the, like a really hot issue Yeah, um, that they're taking extremely ser- seriously and delaying some people. And even mine, the, I, I had a I had a mine was not two two plus years, but I had a similar um similar situation where I reported self-reported something that it's questionable whether I even needed to. And, uh, mm-hmm. it turned into a bunch of unnecessary tests that insurance wouldn't cover because they weren't medically necessary. I mean, cardiac stress tests and, um, echoes and all kind of work. And then, um, after reviewing that, they would come back with something completely unrelated to any of the things that we were reviewing before they came back the last time well, I got so frustrated at the end, they, the last time they came back and said, um, we noticed in your history, um, three and a half years ago, you had a prescription shampoo for scalp uh, eczema or whatever, like on your scalp. And we're going to need a full write up from your dermatologist. And I'm like, <laughs> I used a special shampoo for about two weeks one time, like three years ago. And it was a big deal. And so I wrote, I sent the results and I did that with a big letter that basically said, please let me know if there's any other medical samples I can send you. Like, do you want, uh, can I send you a stool sample? You know, I was, I was pretty, uh, I was I'll pretty send you a whole bag of stools. I, I was, was like, going to say there's probably quite a few people that wouldn't mind sending stool samples to the FAA. Sure. But it all worked out. And then here's what's crazy. So I was on special issuance 
that my my third class was every year now um and then out of the blue for no reason uh just this past like six months ago i get a letter that said we've decided to drop your special issuance i'm like well nothing has changed but that's i don't know why where that came from it was completely unprovoked so now i'm just back to a normal third class but it took me i would say six or seven months to work through that process with them so i know it's frustrating and i appreciate i I do appreciate the the importance of the medical process but i do think specifically some of these more common things i think there's more efficient ways to do it and i could go on a whole episode about um the fa and mental health i mean i think there's a whole problem that they have to solve they need to seriously solve the stigmas around mental health and some Mm -hmm. of the some of the burdens that that folks that struggle in those areas and uh, de- de-incentivizing transparency about actual things you know yeah. it's it's a whole it's a whole problem yeah, uh, yeah that, that was always something that concerned me that if they've got somebody that uh, has got an issue that you know the faa needs to know about but because um these people probably assume that the the length it's going to be a very lengthy process they would rather not declare that problem to the faa which yep. is in in turn more dangerous than the FAA trying to help. If they could make it a little bit more streamlined or a little bit more efficient, I think people would be less put off yeah. by the whole thing. Or, or worse, they decide to not seek the treatment that they need, you know, mm-hmm. because of the mm-hmm. risk. And it's like, so now we've got people who could greatly benefit from proven mental health care um, that they won't get for themselves because of the risk. I don't know. I just, there's a whole lot that's broken, but I'm very happy that it worked out for you and for me. And I never told them how many dead shows I went to in the (laughs) eighties. I can tell you that. Um, Hey, so (laughs) uh, we have uh, so many things to get to Gareth. Uh, I mean, here's the thing you can come back every week or I guess we do it every two weeks. You can come back every time, or we can just try to get the most out of this. Now Uh, you're, you know, but your father has to join overseas. It's a whole thing. Um, what I'm wondering about is uh, we are all video making, filmmaking. There's a lot of people in here that have also uh, in our sort of uh, cohort uh, have done a lot of, you know, that have channels or, or doing various things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to talk, make sure we talk good, good and thorough about uh, video editing. You have a workstation behind you. First question, premiere or resolve premiere. Oh, all right, turn it off. Shut it down. Yeah, well, see, good to see you. <laughs> I, I'm the only odd one of, out of our whole group. I'm the oddest one that is still using Final Cut. Mm. The thing is, Final Cut used to be a very, very good program until yes, they made it more like iMovie. Yep, I know. And I, I just, I just couldn't get my head around the inner workings of it. You know, and I know plenty of people that use Final Cut and they swear by it, but it definitely did divide that camp. There were some people that used both. But when they made that change, it was you're either that or you're this. Yep. And there was no in between. I think it's funny how that we we always come up with these fake divides of consciousness and tools, you know, like the high wing, low wing thing or whatever. But uh, um, but fake about that debate. <laughs> we've solved that, right? We're all Piper people here. We're all Piper people. It's, it's basically saying, do you want to float or not? <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's right. Uh, the only time I really want to float is on an engine out. That's really when I'm going to wish I had a, a 172. Yeah, um, I guess so. Or if you happen to do the impossible turn or something in practice, or when they do power off 180s, I don't find those to be a, tr- a problem in one in 172s at all. Is um, is, uh, is zero three delta a Hershey bar? Or no, it's not. No, tapered. Yeah, it's tapered. Yeah, it's yeah. an eighty. It's an eighty two Archer. This Such is a Hershey bar, and. Uh, 
you better be if you're doing a power off 180 you best be turning to the numbers the second that the power is pulled or oh. you're you're not going to get there <laughs> yeah this is a yeah. 235 this is a uh, 72 cherokee 235 with a hershey bar and it uh will not fly uh without power it <laughs> it's, just, it's actually called a 235 many people don't know this that's how many feet it will glide but what does that mean for my 181 then <laughs> hey, you're, ta- tapered wing is kind of the I, I i was flying an archer with a tapered wing for a while and i have to say that the characteristics the glide the you know the uh it's very, it's wildly different. I'm sure you've flown a Hershey bar wing before too. It's just, uh-huh, yeah. it's definitely different. Um, but you know, oh, it it's all low wing. That's all that matters is that we can see other planes. You know, I like all the planes. I don't really care. I know, I know you've got videos that, you know, you're flying a 182. You've flown a lot mm-hmm. of planes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I do have a bit of a soft spot for the 182. My dad's always raved about them and um, they, they are quite heavy in low power situations because of the six cylinder. Um, so there's a lot of there's a lot going on in you know in the landings and things, but once you get it up to cruise, especially the one that I fly, which is technically a TAA, um, you just stick it all on. All you have to do is monitor it, and boom, off you go. You know, it's a it's a beautiful machine. And don't get me, I I don't mind 172s. It's just I prefer Pipers. Um, but if someone said to me, hey, let's go fly 172, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to say no. Right. (laughs) So uh, in terms of your, uh, your, your video making, obviously that's something you do professionally. You do your, your stuff is really, really well made. And obviously, you know, it's not, it's not a secret that you also do some editing for some other people with prominent channels and things because, Mm -hmm. you know, they all want to source your genius, but, um, you know, so tell me what, what, tell me about, you know, there's a lot of people I think in here that, uh, without being prescriptive about tools or things like that, but just your, your process and kind of what you get out of uh, editing and what you, how do you know you're successful when you finish a piece, you know, that kind of thing. Sure. Uh, I mean, my, my background is in, is in video and film. I did, I did media at college and um, used to do uh, various filming trips in other locations. There's, there's somewhere there's a photograph of me with, with a, a large camera standing in front of the pyramids uh, doing a couple of pieces there for, for the BBC. Um, but then I came back to Florida and we decided to, my father's a, a, a broker and we decided to sort of combine film and photography with the vacation rental industry. And we did a lot of work promoting local areas and things like that. And then when I got into aviation and of course, obviously with Lewis as well, acting as an inspiration, I thought I could try that, you know, um, so I invested in some GoPros and what have you, and, um, sort of used previous knowledge of premiere, which I've been using since premiere two came out, um, and put a timeline together and thought, well, if we chop this here and we do that there and we'll put some stuff in here and see if we can make it gel and, and it worked. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll keep at this. And then if a video sort of, I'm trying to explain this. If a video flows well, where I don't feel like it's either dragging on too long or it's informative enough, but not boring. And I sort of have a warm, fuzzy feeling by the time it's finished. I know that's usually quite successful. Um, it's, it's interesting, where, right? It's almost like an intangible metric, right? It's just like a feeling. You just, you can feel when something feels complete. Exactly. Or, yeah. And yeah. you don't, you don't even know that going into it. Like yeah. you'll, you'll start piecing it together and you'll think, I hope this comes out well, even halfway through the edit. And it's something will just click 
and you think, no, this is going the right way. And then it gives you the encouragement to carry on. Um, and there are some videos that I've released where the, the motto that I've adopted is done is better than perfect. Um, and some of them are like, no, I need to really keep going at this and try and tell a story or something. Um, so, and you know, everyone's got videos on their channels that they're not necessarily overly proud of, or it's not their best work. Um, but sometimes done is better than perfect. We have a saying around here, don't we, Brian? Uh, <laughs> I, I have one that doesn't seem to resonate or make sense to people, but it is my, my, my creative mantra, uh, Gareth is nobody cares. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because ultimately the the minutia that you can get into with an edit you just have to realize sometimes you're being hyper craftsman about it right like like the the things you're like man i need to walk this back and then you know you mm -hmm. i just always ask myself does anybody really care like, nobody cares about what i care about this right now you know sure. just back off like you know it's just a, a way to get things done but um i i, I would normally and if i get find myself in that situation i would actually export it and send it to someone and say give me some feedback um and then they'd go it's it's amazing and i'd be like yeah but what about this what about that what about this and they just go doesn't matter yeah you know and that that's usually the point at which i'm like okay i'll just publish it Yep. So, Chris, when you were making your videos at full steam, which I know you'll get back to in a particular way, I mean, a lot of your stuff was training to be starting, right? We've all kind of had this arc of doing documenting training. And then, uh, you know, Chris, you got to a point where then you started telling stories about bringing family through, right? And all of the uh, experience, new experiences you're having in different mm -hmm. airplanes, buying an airplane, all of that. Um, you know, how do you feel like? Uh, I know you're not on the podcast, Chris, but you're on the podcast. Um, how do you feel like aviation YouTube sort of storytelling has evolved or what does it need? You know, because there's certain things that are going to be common stories and common threads and that's totally fine. But where do you feel like it's going to go or? I'll tell you what it doesn't need is mm -hmm. more people doing accident analysis videos. I don't mm -hmm. know how we've got into this stage now where everybody wants to be one of those. Um, I think because people click on them and watch them, but it's uh, even long time people, I mean, big channels and big content producers are kind of going down that road these days. Um, and I, I don't think we need a bunch more of that. Um, I think what's great about the whole YouTube uh environment though really is just that um we've said this before on this channel like it doesn't matter what you what your interest area is there is as much content as you want to consume about that topic and i think that's what's great about it because it kind of gives everybody a platform to do what it is they're doing i the training was the easy part when i start my instrument that's going to be the easy part for me to make videos again because there's a clear somebody's already written the script so to speak for me like i'm the road to instrument i did my road to private series that was easy i literally showed every flight of my entire private training and that was an easy thing to do because it's just training videos so i think those are easier than when you have to get out and really start thinking about i think what i craved most of all uh towards the end of my training and shortly after my private were just people's actual experiences going to some of my favorite things were things I had never seen before. Like the first time I learned about um, going to an FBO for the first time where they were going to fuel me and how do I leave my plane there and what's the process at an FBO. I mean, just like following kind of not, not in a, like a documenting the steps of how to do it, but I loved some of that content. And the other thing I refined over the 
three years from the kind of the start to the end was that I was, I was making super long videos. I was just leaving so much of my training. I mean, they were 40 plus minutes of things and like n- nobody's going to watch that. So I've gotten into the mindset of if you can't tell it, I feel like if you can't tell it in 15 to 15 minutes, maybe, you know, 15 to 20 minutes, it probably is either a series or you, you got to figure out some other way to do it. I don't know. Um, and by the way, Gareth, just side note. Uh, sorry, Chris didn't know that you were about to launch your accident investigation. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I wouldn't go anywhere near that topic. <laughs> I was like, crap, what if he tells me that's what he's getting ready to do? <laughs> nope, 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 nope. <laughs> nope, I, I, I don't need any more attention on me than I've already got. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some of the long standing training channels, I mean, a fellow Floridian um, who has. Um, a very peppy personality who's been a, you know, has a ground schools and training has started doing accident series. I'm like, you know, I've, I've got enough of this. Um, (laughs) That's enough of this already. Um, I just don't know how many times we're going to rehash the same accident over and over. And I watch them. I mean, I watch not some of theirs, but um, specifically my favorite accident investigator who I've refused to watch, but I, I, I do think there's value. I mean, people take value from certainly from incident and accident investigations for sure. But, um, you know, God, it seems like it's everywhere. Everybody wants in on that action these days. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I'd, um, I, I'd, I'd just stay away from it. I, 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 I tend to think that if you start to overanalyze things, I mean, I'm, I don't work for the NTSB or anything like that. I don't really know what I'm talking about. I can just say something went wrong, the plane crashed. And that's, that's, that's as much as I know. If I try and speculate any further than that, people are just going to start, you know, ripping me apart. So I'd rather have no, no part of that whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then, um, I don't mean to just go right from plane crashes to talking about your wife, uh, but we'll just do that. Um, so, <laughs> but I want to make sure that, that, that she's brought into this because I think it's such a unique this thing that you guys got your your certificates within a, you know several months of each other mm-hmm. and have kind of gone in parallel tell me what tell maybe talk to some people about because a lot of us are you know in a, in a spot where it's like my wife doesn't even want to fly with me mm-hmm. <laughs> or you know things like this you know but you've got this uh the situation that is amazing right so um or ostensibly amazing it could be littered with complexities uh, or challenges that we're not aware of you know when everybody knows what's going on you know it's just a competition now yeah <laughs> yeah we live in separate parts of the house can't stand each other anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah so she she did her uh, check ride um i did mine in march she did hers in july um and basically um she hasn't actually done that much flying in recent times but that's because she's got a job, but she's also at a part 141 school doing her um, uh, IFR and commercial at the same time. Um, so she's got her commercial written tomorrow morning, uh, and then she's doing her stage check for her IFR this weekend, and then she's just carrying on, and I'm just sort of left at home just staring at my private certificate thinking, what am I worth? Uh, <laughs> you know. But to be fair, um, IFR is on the cards for me pretty soon. Um, but we've been waiting for the plane to come back from the UK, which got stuck over there in the UK because of COVID. So uh, now that the plane's back, I'm certainly off to, to do to do more. That's awesome. How did it come back from the UK? I mean, like, what's the mode of transportation? Did it f- fly? No, It flew. It flew, yeah. So 
when it went to the UK, my father and I flew it to um, uh, to New Jersey, Essex County in New Jersey, and then a ferry pilot picked it up from there and flew it all the way across wow. to the UK, all the way you know across uh, Greenland, Iceland, and then down through Scotland. And it was the exact same journey on the way back, except this time it developed a small issue when it was stuck in Goose Bay, Canada. So it was stuck there for about a week, and then the weather caved in, so it was stuck for another week. And then we finally got someone to bring it down to, again, Essex County in New Jersey. And then Father and I flew up there commercially and flew it back down again. Um, It went back to the UK in 2019, and it came back here. It was December of last year. Uh, so we picked it up in New Jersey when it was 23 degrees outside, um, which was an experience for someone that lives in Florida. But it was it was a good experience. I'm glad you know, I logged the time as well, so that's worth it. Um, I'm gonna put. Uh, we got a couple of questions. Can we ask a couple of questions that are in the chat, Brian? Sure, I'll do that. Yeah. Um, Puerto Rican piranha fish <laughs> says, "Hey, Gareth." What happened to the female CFI you flew with? The one that was in the army? She seemed like a very good pilot. I wonder who Puerto Rican piranha fish is. I also, I also was wondering the same thing when I saw that uh, flip by. So I was wondering if we know who this person is. I've got a feeling I know it isn't. Oddly enough, that was my nickname for her, the Puerto Rican piranha fish. Well, there you go. She's going to message me in a second now and tell me how excited she is that she's been mentioned on a podcast. Yes, we all know how great you are. Go away. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Well, you know, should we talk about probably who this person is? Yeah, probably. That would who? be that, that would be Gretchen Rivera. Uh, featured in some of your your great videos and and she she seems like a like a good person to fly with oh she's she's an amazing pilot and she'll tell you that herself um <laughs> you know she 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 had it um she she was a cfi for the longest time and then obviously covid caused a few issues so she stopped stopped cfiing um and then she reached out to me on uh, instagram once regarding an ipc um and uh, we just started talking, became friends and then went for a little flight in a 152 and she hasn't looked back since. And since then she's, you know, gone off to uh, do more CFI work. Um, and I believe now she's over at a part 135 operation. It's awesome. It's that awesome. Is, that is very cool. Um, David Moscardelli would like to know what is your favorite airport or area in Florida that you enjoy the most? Oh, that's a tough one. Cause there's so many good ones. Um, it depends on the purpose. To be fair, I think the two my my two most uh, favorite airports to fly into are either Albert Witted and St. Petersburg, simply because the approach is nice and they have a very very good restaurant on site. Uh, and the other one is Venice Beach, um, simply because the airport is 0.5 of a mile from the actual beach, mm-hmm. and you can get good food there. Oh, and Cedar Key as well. See, if you like a challenge, Cedar Key is fantastic, just because it's you know Florida's shortest paved runway. You only have one stab at it. And if it goes wrong, then, you know, you're in the drink. Um, (laughs) But the thing I love about Cedar Key is the fact that there's a company there and you can call them up and they will have a golf cart waiting for you at the airport. So you pay for it beforehand. You land your airplane. There's the the golf cart. Jump in, drive into town, get some nice food, back to the airport, and off you go. So those are probably my top three, I would say. That's very cool. While we're getting the next question, I wanted to ask you a follow-up to that, which is about 
you know, we, we talk a lot about, we even did a whole episode on just sort of dream destinations and everybody's kind of got their own wacky ideas about, you know, this is the gold standard of the place I'd like to fly. If I can ever get this done, what would be uh, your, your, your pipe dream destination? Whew. That's a good question. I mean, I've, I've done uh, Kitty Hawk, uh, which we did on the way up to uh, Essex County the first time. I would actually like to try and fly it over to the West Coast at some point and do a little bit there. My, mm-hmm. my dad um, did some flying uh, up and down California years ago in the sort of late 90s, um, and he was always telling me about how great that was. So I, I wouldn't mind actually going to the West Coast and doing some flying there. Um, but most of, most of my ambitions is to just stay within the United States. You, um, so I mentioned earlier, I found you when you were, you were training with, um, with Lewis, mm-hmm. what was that? Um, I guess, what was that like? I mean, what I, what I really appreciated about in you, you became, I mean, you were a star on his channel. I mean, you, mm-hmm. the two of you, um, just had such a great, uh, back and forth kind of, uh, approach. And it just seemed so natural. I'm assuming it was, it just seemed very like, yeah, like all, none of that was fake. That was just seemed like the two of you, but what was it like training? Uh, what was it like training with Lewis? I mean, he's obviously high energy. You, you described him in the opposite of what he is earlier, but I mean, he's, what was that experience like for you training with him? Um, it was interesting. Cause I say he's, he, he's, he's like, uh, he reminds me of Tigger. Just always bouncing around, you know, he's always over the place. Um, the thing that I find interesting about uh, Lewis is, is that despite um, his sort of wacky approach and his bubbly personality, um, he is a, he's a phenomenal pilot. Um, I mean, he really knows his stuff. Um, and, you know, when we used to do maneuvers and things, he used to demo stuff before letting me do them. They were always more or less perfect, you know, and it was like he never really missed a beat. But he's got a natural passion for it, and obviously he, he knows he knows his stuff. Mm-hmm. But in the lessons, I mean, because of the relationship that we had and the rapport that we had, it made the whole process far more enjoyable. So I retained more information as a result because it became more enjoyable. Yeah. Um, so his his approach to instruction is is fantastic, um, and I know he's off you know flying with uh, Silver now and what have you. I think he occasionally does the odd you know, um, discovery flight or something like that. But, um, anybody that gets the opportunity to fly with him privately, um, is in for a whale of a time. Um, nothing was ever scripted. It it was always just natural. You know, we used to bounce off each other quite well. So, so there's nothing controversial that you want to drop here live on YouTube about Lewis is what you're saying. There's nothing, really no, no headline here. (laughs) No, um, no, it's all good. So I, so going from that, if you are about to do your instrument, how do you, I mean, how do you get any more excitable, knowledgeable CFI than Lewis? Uh, do you have like sort of some sort of a, uh, you know, graham cracker to the marshmallow kind of thing? Like somebody that's like, I don't know, some some very quiet, uh, you know, sort of sage-like character or something? I haven't actually picked anybody to do my double I, do, 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 do my IFR yet, because uh, I, I know Lewis is going to be far too busy. Um, and the Puerto Rican piranha fish uh, doesn't want to get her double eyes, so obviously that goes to show how much she cares about me. <laughs> um, so there are a couple of other people that I can ask, um, but I'm probably going to do it slightly different than what I did with my PPL, whereas I'm actually going to get the written out of the way first and then progress onto the flying portion of it. I think that's probably the better way to do this one. Yeah. Um, and that, that all stems back to the medical issue that I had as well, because obviously we started training, and then the medical issue happened. 
So that then that took that took two years, and then we went back into training, and I still hadn't done the written. Um, so I'd like to get the, the the written portion out well before I start looking at doing the actual flying now. I think uh, I think that's smart. I mean, instrument is so much. It's so much knowledge. I've had several of my instructors around here in the club who I've been talking to about doing my instrument with. It's so much more knowledge than it is flying. I mean, you you can easily have met most of the requirements even before you do a bunch of flying. I mean, I think the minimum for for sixty one is like it's something crazy, like twelve dual hours or something, fifteen dual hours or something that's required. Um, there's just so much mental um, and so much knowledge of the instrument. So I think that's probably a smart approach. And going mm-hmm. back to what you said about your um, experience with Lewis and why it was so beneficial, we've definitely talked about that on this channel. Like not having and having an instructor that you don't have that kind of a relationship with or you don't get along well makes such a huge difference. Oh, yeah. um, people need if you've got if you have the luxury of having options for CFIs, like it is absolutely worth finding the one that is the best fit for you because personality matters. I mean, they, the other guy could be the best, you have 40,000 hours and be the, you know, most experienced instructor in your region. But if you don't jive well with them or you just, it doesn't feel natural there. I think there's, there's a huge intangible benefit to finding someone that works with you. So I, I uh, think regardless of topic, whether it be aviation or at school or in college, regardless of what the subject is, I think if you have a teacher or a, um, an instructor that you get on well with, it's always going to make a world of difference. And looking back at just when I was at college doing, you know, normal courses like English and math and all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I, I thrived in the classes where I actually got on well with the teachers. Um, oh, yeah. they, made, they made it more, interested, more interesting, and it, it made me want to, to learn more. So uh, just a little idea here. You guys don't have to think it's a good one, but I've got an idea. Okay, so here's what I think should happen. I think that, I think that Lewis should be involved in choosing your instructor for instrument, and you do it in the theme and in the aesthetic of the old uh, – 80s uh like love connection tv show right <laughs> like where you get like and so then you get like cfis to come in or cfis to come in and, and uh, audition and sort of lay their traits on the table about why they think that they'd be the best cfi or cfwi for you or whatever and uh and uh and then he kind of is the chuck woolery kind of character mm-hmm. uh you know the two and two and all that and then yeah, yeah. um and then just that and then that's how you and then you know see who the audience votes for versus you know what what you choose and then we get to follow along do it love connection style love, love connection stuff just sort of like an audition as well yeah <laughs> that's awesome i don't i don't know <laughs> i think i'd rather just pick the cfwi myself to be honest with you sure 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 i just thought you know i have ideas what all right so let's talk about let's talk about let's talk about video making more Mm-hmm. Well, let's okay so you you obviously it's it's eerily similar i was comparing this earlier it's our, our trajectories are eerily similar mm-hmm. in terms of subscriber count number of videos on the channels um and and recent um recent publishing rates mm-hmm. um can you talk about what is going like what's your do you have plans what are you doing are you gonna what are you thinking are you gonna get back to publishing more do you want to do more what's your what are I, you- I do i do want to do more and it's actually been on the cards for quite some time um so 
as I mentioned previously, the, the plane was in the UK, stuck in the UK uh, during COVID. It came back at the tail end of last year. Um, so we've, we've had a bit of maintenance done on it. Um, and we have one last piece of maintenance that needs to be done before I would comfortably, you know, fly it regularly, but it's nothing major. Basically we have an old temperature gauge that's not functioning right now, which is a requirement. Um, it's just trying to get the work done, you know, trying to get it into the shop and it, you know, it's, it's here at Leesburg, um, and they have a very busy maintenance department. So once that's done, the idea is to um, produce a, a video about the journey from New Jersey back down to Florida, which I did film, not in its entirety, but I did get bits, especially doing the the Skyline tour down the Hudson. Mm. Um, try and put a synopsis video together and then use that as an opportunity to pick up and start doing new videos. Can I give a timeline on it? Probably not. I'm hoping maybe next month. Um, it's a question of how quickly the maintenance gets done right. and I need to sort of find that drive again, you know, to, to start charging the batteries and putting in the cameras, uh, making sure it. they don't overheat and trying to remember that the cameras are there. Yep. You know, you know what it's like. Uh, you're preaching to the choir. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, I would like to, I would like to, obviously, you know, things get in the way. The reason I stopped for so long is because of course I was, I was renting. So of course that you reach a financial strain with that. Um, and I thought, no, I, I want, I need to fly to places further away because otherwise it's just going to be the same thing over and over and over again. So now that the plane's back, I'd like to go a little bit further afield and take people along on the adventure. That's awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. Now, would, uh, what would be some people that maybe are already also making content that you really enjoy or, you know, might recommend other than of course, Nobody. Your own, your Nobody. Chris's, yeah, no, no. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, I, I tend to watch all the usuals, you know, obviously, you know, I watch uh, Josh's channel from time to time. And of course, uh, Angle of Attack I tend to watch some of his stuff, even though I'm very familiar with his stuff. Uh, <laughs> you know course, how it's going to end. <laughs> yeah. And of course, you know, I still watch Lewis's stuff and uh, what have you. And uh, people like the finer points and uh, SoCal Flying Monkey. His stuff is, well, obviously, we know what his stuff is like. Yeah. It puts the rest of us to shame. Um, but really anything to, anything to do with aviation, whether it be like, um, an educational thing or whether it be lighthearted entertainment, I just interested in all of it from both an aviation aspect, but also a filmmaking aspect. I like to take ideas from here and there, and I've been more active on Instagram a lot more recently. And it's interesting to see how people have adapted to creating content for a YouTube channel, but then making that work on something like Instagram or TikTok as well you know, going into the vertical mode and using different techniques to uh, sort of bounce back and forth between media options. It's it, it's interesting to see how everything's evolving. And I'm hoping I can keep up, but we'll see. Yeah, I've been a little bit of a Luddite about vertical. It's just sort of, it's so frustrating, you know, it's imminent because that's the, what the everybody's viewing everything on. But at the same time, it's like our eyes are... Mm-hmm. this way on our head for a re- it's just it's tough man it's it, it, it took me a long time to start thinking i need to shoot this in portrait mode yeah. um and it still doesn't feel right i'm yeah. getting more used to it um yeah. but like on the on the journey down from uh, from new jersey i was shooting some video in landscape mode on my phone and then i'd do the same thing again flip flip it up right so i've got enough for both platforms i'm sure there's a more streamlined way of doing it but i haven't really gotten to that point yet 
Yeah. Do you um? What's your camera of choice as far as uh like a um you know digital SLR video camera mirrorless whatever it is you're shooting with? Um, the one that I use for my sort of you know day to day shooting, which is for 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 my job, um, is a Canon EOS R. Um, so I'm definitely in the Canon camp more than the Sony camp. But again, that's that's simply because I've always used Canon, even in college. You know, um, it's the same thing with Premiere. I've always used Premiere, so that's just what I'm familiar with. Um, I know Sony makes some amazing cameras, you know, and I know plenty of people that use them, but I don't know. I'm just so familiar with Canon, you know, yeah. and I know that they've been a little bit lackluster with their video capabilities over the last few years. They haven't really kept up with the rest of them, but, um, Oh, I, I did have a Panasonic GH five for a while and that was an amazing camera. Mm-hmm. Um, especially the ability to do 120, uh, frames per second in 4k slowed down to 24 frames in body. Oh Yeah. Um, that was, that was, that was 10 bit as well. That was, that was very impressive. It would yeah. do that. Wow. That is, yeah. I didn't realize that about that camera. Cause that wasn't a very expensive camera necessarily either. No, I, I bought it. Yeah. And the lenses were cheap cause it was micro four thirds. Oh, um, yeah. I think there's the video on my channel, which is, I think it's called Rachel's first flying lesson, which is like a Peter McKinnon style in camera transition, slow mo, speed up, you know, speed ramps and everything. That was all shot on that camera. The only issue with it was it's terrible for vlogging because the autofocus is dreadful. Mm. Um, but when you have it flipped around, it has the focus peaking so mm. that you can make it green or red or whatever. So you, as long as you were okay with using manual focus, it was perfect. So if you have the time for it, great camera. But if you need to do sort of run and gun shooting, then it's not, it's not ideal. Yeah. Chris, what do you use? So I have, uh, for our work, we have two EOS R's and a Canon C200 um, cinema camera. Obviously, I don't use that for <laughs> flying much because the, the, the logistics there. of like <laughs> in the plane and the size of the body is impossible. But <laughs> EOS R is definitely my what I run around with when I'm running around. It's uh, Here's what I loved about the EOS R. Um, before we get too deep in the weeds in this, like I love the lens adapter with the um, variable ND insert so mm-hmm. that you can, I mean, that was a game changer for us. Cause on our old, when we were shooting on uh, Canon 5d Mark twos and stuff before, you know, it was all the screw on type ND filters, which was a pain yeah. in the butt to deal with, but you can pop that variable ND out and put a clear filter in instead if you're inside or whatever. I mean, it's, and then for our business stuff, the C200 made sense for so just because of the audio and the it was just sure. a more bigger platform for that. But never for airplanes. It's just logistically. I mean, how do you even? It's not feasible for that. But yeah, I'm well, with you. EOSR. I think yeah. I'm gonna do uh, what the the Guth Miller character does, right? Like I'm just gonna get like four friends with red cameras to just all cram in the plane with me. And I think that that's going to be, or the jet, depending on what season. I mean, you've, have your <laughs> I, I don't jet. mean to be. I'm, I mean, obviously, his stuff is. It's it's crazy to me how it's like even in, in aviation, there are people that are just existing in other on other planets. Like it's like, wow, who's doing this kind of flying and making it look this good? And mm-hmm. what, like, I'm just, you know, putting around like you know city haze you know <laughs> and then going from one city haze to another city haze or whatever and then these people are out there you know we're just you know I, i'm scared to fly over a river around here there's high tension wires everywhere you know I mean, like how do you get to these places where it's like well yeah we just fly along the river bro uh, gareth you you went to alaska didn't you did you fly with chris in alaska 
didn't fly with Chris. I went up there to help him um, film the Valdez flying. Okay. Uh, it was live streamed. So we didn't actually go to Homer, Alaska, where he's based. We flew into Anchorage, and then we drove to Whittier and then jumped aboard a ferry that took six hours to get to Valdez, which I can't wow. really complain. The, 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 the views were spectacular. But I did fly um, with a guy called Jordan when we were in Valdez, and I sat in the back of his 185. And we flew over mountains and landed on a beach. And, I mean, it was unbelievable. Um, and I didn't do a much filming of that apart from, I think, on my Instagram. I, I did a, a reel on that using the sort of cinematic mode on the iPhone. Um, but that, that's an experience I'll never forget. That's that's some of the stuff I remember about when I when I was doing working on Chris's stuff. When I would download the footage and just start looking at in plane footage, and I'm like, everywhere you point this airplane is beautiful. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, where they fly out of Homer, I mean, it, it, there's it's unbelievable. Every day is like a I don't know. It's just it's just stunning everywhere you look. Um, oh, absolutely, yeah. And especially when you compare it, to like being in Florida, everything is sea Virginia. level. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, our, our three biggest mountains are owned by Disney. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, right. Well, um, uh, so, so Gareth, what's, uh, you know, I know you said, uh, you got some training you're looking to do and some videos you're hoping to get done, but, uh, in the general ask of, you know, what's next as we try to wrap this up and save your, your time so that you can, obviously you need to go help Rachel study for her commercial. Cause you have it all. You know. I'm not allowed anywhere near that room. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm going to basically when we're done, I'm going to move from this seat to that desk over there and carry on working. <laughs> it's the safest place to be. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I get asked that a lot, actually. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't have the same aspirations as a lot of people getting into aviation. I don't see myself as a commercial pilot. I don't see myself wanting to go to the airlines, especially you know, at, at, I say at my age. I mean, you know what I mean. Um, but um, no, it, it's a passion of mine. I'd like, I'd like to do the IFR. Um, people tell me that, that I would make a good CFI, and I'm not so sure about that. Um, but that might happen one day in the future, um, maybe as a retirement plan. I don't know. There's a few years off yet. Um, but no, just enjoying having the plane, flying around for fun, not taking it too seriously unless the FAA are watching. Um <laughs> And and just enjoying myself. Awesome. What a concept, right? Having fun, having fun whilst flying. Yes, yeah, difficult. It's difficult to do when you have to fill up the plane yourself. Right. Yeah, but what um, a great what a great plane though. I'm so glad that it's back and and what a what a gift it is to be able to share that with your dad and and all of that. Oh yeah, well he's in the UK at the moment, so I mean, ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys fly well together, you know, and you you know it's oh yeah. It's, yeah. you know, uh, you know, I, I can't even, I can't even imagine what a thrill it would be for me have to have had the opportunity to fly with my dad, who was a pilot and I never got that opportunity. So mm-hmm. I always look on to others that get the richness of that experience and that shared experience. And yeah, uh, the, my only, my only regret, cause I, I did my, um, uh, check ride in, uh, 2020, um, was, uh, COVID prevented him from coming over to, to experience it. So it was literally jump out the plane, be told that I'd passed and then had to FaceTime him. And he was obviously happy, but it would have been really, really special. If yeah. He was 
But, you know, circumstances didn't allow for it, and it wasn't going to stop me from doing it, obviously. so. Well, it's a good thing. He, if he came, he might have been like, well, Dad, all I got to do is go back and just do one more short field landing, he said, and then I'm good. <laughs> uh, well, th- thanks a lot, uh, Gareth, for the time, man. Of course. Anytime. I'll, I'll, I'll come back happily. Yeah, it's a, it's a good it's a good group, and you know I think everybody's kind of in that same place. We're all um, trying to enjoy it, and it's really we're all spoiled. I mean, just to have the opportunity. Not everybody has the opportunity to do the stuff that we get to do, and um, I love the community that's built up around it, and I'm just meeting more people every day, and hopefully we can connect one of these times. We almost got made it to Kitty. We were at uh, we had a fly in at the Outer Banks, and yeah. um, it almost worked out. But I'm going to try to get the Sun and Fun next year. We're doing Oshkosh this year, and so hopefully next year I'm going to try. I'm going to try and get to Oshkosh this year. Oh man, you should. We're, we'll be there. Uh, several of us are going up from this group. Uh, we'll be there Thursday through Saturday. Uh, I'm, we're crazy. Some of us are camping. So we'll see how that goes, but yeah, I'm still, well, I mean, there's no way of getting a hotel now. They've booked up what, like a year in advance or whatever. Yeah. So we're toying, we're toying with the idea of, of, of flying up. Um, it's definitely high on the to-do list. That's awesome. I, I haven't done Oshkosh yet. I know it's a sin in this community, but I haven't done Oshkosh yet. So I haven't either. I, I, I'm not sure. I don't know. I, I don't even like to be around crowds really at this stage in my life. It's, it's hard. But, I understand uh, that. I only, I only did one day at Sun and Fun this year for that very reason. Yeah. Um, it's just a lot, man. It's just a it lot. Is. It is. Um, by All the right. way, um, listen, uh, this is not a, you know, this is not a challenge. And I know that, you know, I'm not sure you talk to Lewis that much necessarily, but I just noticed, I just looked here. His, he's got a new podcast that no one should listen to. Um, yeah. No. And uh, no, <laughs> don't give don't give him the satisfaction. <laughs> I want to clarify, he, he was not on my radar. Uh, he was not who I was talking about earlier about accident investigations. I just want uh, to clarify, no, it was, it was not Lewis. <laughs> no, um, so he's he's beating us. He's right now he's nine spots above us in the charts. So Chris, this is this is war. How we don't, even, we don't even know the guy, and this is how did war. that happen already? It's pretty. Gonna say, I think you must you've just, you've de- declared war on him by having his former student on your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying to pull you to the yes. Shots fired. Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty sure this whole strategy is like on page 34 of the Art of War or something, right? Like it's. <laughs> it's <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, uh, super super awesome to have you. Definitely come back, Chris. We didn't do any housekeeping stuff. We didn't tell people to do anything. We, the other thing we need to do is. How can people, we need to ask Gareth, how can people find you, support you? I know you have a lot of things going on. So obviously your YouTube channel, Zero Three Delta, show yep. up there and subscribe. Yep. Follow you on Instagram. What else you got going on? I know if you want sunglasses, you're the guy for that too. Apparently, well, I don't know if I'm the guy. I know who I know who Flying Eyes' is golden boy is, but yeah, well, you're a if guy. you want to use code, use code Zero Three Delta, either spelt out like it is on my hat or Zero Three D, Save yourself 10% with flying eyes. There you go. Or you can go to zero three delta.com and get yourself a hat. And zero three delta on Instagram, zero three delta on YouTube and zero three delta on TikTok. Don't use, don't do the TikTok thing. There's not much on there. I can't figure TikToks. I can't get there. I've tried. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm still, I'm still struggling with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, and uh, just so people understand, uh, this is just the video live taping if you're here uh, for the first time. Uh, but what we do is, and our primary listening audience is actually just audio only. So make sure you go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever and subscribe or 
um, press the buttons or do the things uh, and leave reviews uh, only if they're good. Don't leave any bad reviews because those don't help us. Just the good ones. It, our moms would say, right? If you don't have, no, leave whatever review you want. Um, we've got a bunch of great ones. And in fact, um, Chris, if you don't mind, uh, I'm going to read one real quick because uh, some other podcasts we know of do this. And I think it's very nice. We should be nicer. Um, so here's a, here's a recent review for, from Apple Podcasts. Uh, and it is... Uh, Okay, there's no expletives. Okay, this is good. Um, five stars says exploration unlocked. Thanks to Chris and Brian for being such great inspiration. My path to private pilot has been private pilot has been drawn out for over 18 months, and both Chris and Brian have been a joy to watch and hear along the way. 138 hours and two planes, a rented 172 and my own 182. Mechanical issues, weather, work, life, scheduling conflicts, created delays and revectoring. But I finally landed back at the home field, stowed the plane in the hangar, and I'm newly minted private pilot as of March 15th, 2023. I've been recording a lot of my training. We'll be putting together some of the highlights and challenges. Thanks again. So uh, that's awesome. That's what it's all about. Yep, that's it. All right. Well, Gareth, I appreciate your time. Of course. Anytime. Brian. If you want if, if you want me back, I haven't got many friends. So. Awesome. Well, we'll, <laughs> definitely, we'll definitely take you up on it. Brian, thanks for potting tonight. Always. Thank you, sir. And uh, we'll talk to everyone in two weeks. All right. Later, guys. Bye, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>